Nothing hits harder than this. Five Finger Death Punch. Under and over it. Saturday, September 10th. Jiffy Lube Live. With Megadeth. And special guests, The Who. And Fire from the Gods. On sale now at LiveNation.com. Five Finger Death Punch. New single, Afterlife, out now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 1875 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schofield, and today I'm joined, as ever, by Alex Lomax and Ollie Howarth. In a week um, where we've had some good results and some bad results, um, it's Cardiff that's on the mind after a 3-2 victory last night. Um, Obviously, off the back of that 3-1 loss against Leeds. Some people are starting to talk about the playoffs again. We all think it's too soon, as I'm sure the majority of us do. Um, but as football fans, we can't help but hope. So, Alex and Ollie, um, how are you both? Alex, you first. I'm feeling a bit better after last night. I don't know about you, but I think that's the general consensus. <laughs> Certainly is, and Ollie? Yeah, no, yeah. bit of very much a mood-lifting uh, performance. It definitely was. And before we talk about the Cardiff game, I know we spoke before about when we started recording, but the Leeds, the Leeds game, just want to brush over it. Um, Alex, was that to be expected? I know we spoke about how a shot result could perhaps all of a sudden bring some life back into the season. Um, was it to be expected, though, that we, we succumbed to a loss against uh, the, the league leaders? I think it was expected that it would be a challenging match. However, we are talking about the championship um, where any team can beat any other team. And I think Rovers have demonstrated that just recently with losing to teams at the lower end of the league and beating a team in the playoff positions. So I think in the championship of all leagues, it, that that's sort of unpredictable. But it was always going to be a difficult game. And the fact that we didn't really play very well... Um, particularly missing chances as we had done in the previous games, just made that even more of a difficult task. And obviously um, Leeds came with a game plan and managed to nullify our threats in the second half, I thought. And we didn't really come back into the game after we went 3-1 down. So it was, again, a continuation, I thought, of the two away defeats in that missing the chances and then failing to perform after that. But like you say, I don't think you can get too downbeat about that result. But yeah, is it, is it, I think it was more the frustration on the back of the two previous defeats. It was one of those where if we'd have won the previous two away games, we could have afforded to lose that Leeds game and still be in that top six. But obviously we all know what happened. It's true. I guess the Leeds game was sort of a free hit for us, wasn't it? Had we have beaten Barnsley and Wigan, but as that wasn't the case, it just became that that much more important to keep the season alive. Um, Ollie, Christian Walton came in to, to some criticism um, after the Leeds game, as he did the Wigan game um, and probably the Cardiff game, to be fair. Um, what, what do you think's been wrong with Christian Walton since his return? Obviously, he has come in for some criticism and his performances haven't been as good as they were before the break. Yeah, no, it's not not been very good. I think, yeah, pretty much every game since we've restarted, you can point the finger at him for 
little errors as well as big errors that are costing goals. Um, I, d- I think you need, in the context, he's a very young player. Um, I th- it, maybe it just looks like a bit of confidence and I think he starts to second-guess his decision-making. Um, but it's unfortunate that he's not one of our own players and he's the best we've got. Um, so it's what we have to rely on. But you're you're having to rely on a young goalkeeper who's playing at the most high-profile high club he's played at because I think no disrespect to Wigan but he was very good for them for two seasons on loan, but he wasn't always number one either. Um, he did have spells where he was sat on the bench as number two. Um, but he's come to us and has to be the number one with a team that has, yeah, with the greatest respect, a sort of higher level of expectation um, in where we wanted to be this season. And I think he made mistakes earlier in the season, seemed to find his confidence probably from around Christmas until the break and you know definitely made some yeah game saving point winning saves late in games but yeah he's had a bad start straight away after the restart and yeah he just looks I think typical example I think even last night he yeah first goal you can question that I know we'll go on to that game but then I think later on in the game there was I think there was a loose ball came down and I think Lenehan was expecting him to come out and gather the ball. But you can you could tell that from that first mistake, he was then hesitant to come off his line, which to me, that shows a goalkeeper that's not confident in the decisions he's making and his instant reactions. But, but then, you know, you're at the mercy of that's who our goalkeeper is. So, um, yeah. It's certainly a tricky one. Um, I know... So you alluded to Ollie, but when he's not your goalkeeper, it's a case of, you know, he's getting these mistakes out of his way um, whilst playing for Blackburn. And obviously there are question marks over Mowbray's decision to perhaps not offer David Rea um, a better contract, um, which maybe would have seen him stay. Um, so question marks there, but hindsight being twenty twenty, it is easy to say. Um, I'll move straight on to the Cardiff game now, though, because obviously, let's try and be positive. The last podcast was so, I suppose, downbeat and negative. It'd be nice um, if this one's a bit more positive. Obviously, a 3-2 victory. Just a couple of stats for you both and the listeners. Um, I hope I am right. It'd be embarrassing if I'm not. Obviously, it's the first time we've come from behind to win since we beat Peterborough in 2017. Um, first time we've come from behind twice since we beat Arsenal in 2011. I believe that was a 4-3 victory. Yakubu, Yakubu's first game, maybe that, I think. I'm not too sure. Um, obviously, Alex, reading those stats there, we never usually react well to going behind. Um, just how pleasing was it that we fought back not just once, um, but twice? I think that was possibly the thing I was impressed with the most about last night. Um, definitely second half. I think the instant reaction, scoring just after half time, gave us that platform to really go on and dominate the second half. Um, in some ways, kind of similar to the Bristol game where we um, got a pretty quick equaliser and it kind of settles the team down a bit. Um, I think we come out after half time and you get that really early goal. It settles everything down. The team aren't playing with desperation. They're not panicking. And it just allows us to play with that bit more freedom and um, go on and win the game. But obviously, it took that 
moment of sheer brilliance. But uh, I don't think you can take anything away from the performance, obviously. Um, I think the key difference, as I've just mentioned before, was we had four shots on target last night and we scored three of them. So the much higher conversion rate leads to three points. So I think it's something that I think we've always known that Rovers don't tend to have problems creating chances. They tend to have a bigger issue in taking them. So I think that was a really important thing. And um, I'm just glad that on the back of the circumstances that we've had, that despite not playing too badly in the first half, we did find ourselves behind. And I feel like the mentality of the team to not come out in the second half and sort of wave the white flag as the season's over, that you're still playing for points, you're still playing for a league position. And you just never know if you win every single game and the other teams mess up. There could be a minor miracle. So I, th- I, I what I would praise about last night more than anything, as well as just the high performance levels, is the mentality of the team to come back from behind on the back of what we've just had really over the past three games. It certainly was, and I guess we're going to speak about mindset a little bit later on. Um, but like I said, it, it is that mindset thing to come back and, and you know, that mentality to, to come back twice. And it was good to see, like, especially after what have been what has been a very tough, tough week. I mean, before the Wigan game, it was all, yep, yeah, come on. Um, we're going to be in the playoffs after this game. And obviously that didn't work out. And we lost to Barnsley and... Well, it just wasn't great. So I think from a, a personal perspective, it was nice to see Rovers I don't know, put a smile on people's faces because that hasn't been the case much since the return um, of football. Um, Ollie, I want to speak a minute about uh, Bradley Johnson, actually. Um, I think just general feeling amongst fans has been that maybe he's been a bit of a letdown. Um not that he's been bad, he's just not been as good as expected. But then you look at the game against Cardiff last night, you look at the game against Bristol City um, away early in the season. These are two games where Johnson has been absolutely fantastic. Do we need to see more of that? Because it's it's all well and good us mourning that we haven't got Travis and Evans. But if Bradley Johnson can repl- replicate these performances on a more frequent level it's surely going to leave us very strong in the middle of midfield. Yeah, I think I'm definitely in that camp of, I was really excited that we signed him, even even though he's into his early 30s. And I I think just as a a general football fan, I think everyone, you're well aware of him as a player, whether you saw him at Leeds or at Norwich or Derby, you'd see these really commanding performances, even, you know, when we've played those teams. You know, very strong kind of box to box, can pass, can tackle, gets a few goals every season. And we've only seen that player a few times. And I think I remember reading early in the season, there was an issue around um, his living situation. I think he was living quite far away from Blackburn and the training ground. I think there was some issue with he was staying in a hotel and issues around his kind of diet and fitness that I think 
have been resolved. But yeah, I think there was I think there was sort of a, some personal reasons why he perhaps wasn't performing at his best for us. Yeah, but, I th- but I'd really like. Yeah, I think he's someone that's probably got maybe an, certainly another season. Uh, you know, with us, I'd like to think where if we can if you can find that type of consistency because the you know you look at the second half against Leeds and the second half against Cardiff and it's two different players. I mean, he could barely string a pass together against Leeds, but he was, yeah, he was so good in that second half against Cardiff that, yeah, it's quite difficult to sort of, as a fan, to watch such kind of chalk and cheese performances from a player where you think, you know, where was that fight and that drive and the number of headers he was winning and tackles and his use of the ball in the second half. And, and he does provide a goal threat on occasion. And you think that's the player we want week in, week out. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult, I think. He is in the twilight of his career. But um, yeah, if he, can, if he can do that till the end of the season, if, if we've not got Evans, then yeah, it'd be great to see. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with you there. Obviously, Neil Yardley said it, the commentators from the Robbers I follow, obviously he mentioned just before Armstrong's goal that, you know, Johnson was there driving people forward to press higher up the pitch and, you know, fight for possession. Um, and it is something that if, if he can replicate on a more frequent basis, then there's no reason that we, we're going to need to miss Corey Evans as much um, going into next season. Um, another player I want to comment on, and, and he's a player that we've spoke about previously on the pod, Alex, um, Danny Graham. Now, we've said, would we or would we not give him a new contract? And I think we were all pretty much in the middle. Has your mind changed all after last night's performance, given the fact that he did act as that focal point and he was able to make that ball stick up front in a way that the likes of Ben Brereton, Sam Gallagher haven't been able to do? I think Graham is possibly the biggest issue that Marbury has in terms of his decisions over contracts and contract extensions. I think if you look at the 11 he played last night, Graham was more in that false nine role that Holtby had been used in in the previous matches. Um, and I think what it showed me was that Graham role is, is vitally important in that system that he's now playing. That A sort of player like Holtby is more of a technical player, doesn't really work and gets pushed off the ball a bit too easily. Now, I don't know whether that's more of a reflection on Holtby's poor form or Graham's good form or uh, whether Graham you know, is performing at a high level on a consistent basis or not. But I think what we saw last night was just a striker's instinct. And I think for that, for, for Rose's first goal, it's been in the right place at the right time. And I think that knack, that goal-scoring knack, is something that, Gallagher and Brereton certainly don't have and I think that was just a prime example really could you really see Brereton or Gallagher being in that position to tap that in it's not a coincidence that it, that it fell to Graham and it's the, the reason is, is because he gets in those positions and he anticipates a bad bounce or a, or a lucky deflection or a mistake from the defender t- to be there to pounce and then he duly did. I think 
with Graham, you've got to take into account as well. He probably will be on some of the biggest wages at the club. And what game time will he get next season if he is renewed for a year? Um, another factor as well is, are we going to be renewing Samuel's contract? Because if we let Samuel go and Graham go with just Brereton and Gallagher on the books, I think it would be a wise suggestion that we'd have a lot of recruiting to do in the forward areas. And would we be wanting to do that all over one summer? The pressure of doing that over one summer. So... I do, I, My, I, do, I do agree with you there. I know what you're saying. It, it would leave us very, very uh, very weak up top if we were to lose both Graham and Samuel. Um, and reports are suggesting that Graham maybe wants a two-year contract, which I think would be foolish to offer. Um, but it, it's certainly an interesting, interesting thing to look at in terms of you know, how would we replace him? Because clearly Mowbray's tried and, and failed with with two six million pound signings, which means that Venkis aren't going to be rushing to to hand him um, to hand him transfer money, are they? Um, Adam Armstrong. Now I know we're, we're firing through this game, but there's a lot of things I want to cover, um, Ollie. Um, Adam Armstrong Armstrong's form since the turn of the year has been nothing short of tremendous. Now. I think we've we've obviously spoke about Adam Armstrong before and how important it was that he stepped up in the absence of obviously the talisman that is Bradley Dack. Just how impressed have you been though, Ollie, with with Armstrong and how happy are you that he's becoming the player now that many people expected when he was at Newcastle? Yeah, it's really nice to see. I think obviously Moby knows him from when he was at Coventry on loan from Newcastle. Um, and I think he is, I think well before we saw the Armstrong we've seen this season, he's talked so highly of what he thinks he's going to become. But it, I think definitely, I think it's, it's unfair on Armstrong to say it's just he stepped up just because of Dak. I think he's, Dak not being there, I think it, you know, he's just been fantastic ever since, but I think it's, it doesn't seem to matter where he's played now either. He, he seems to be happy. He's obviously made noises before about saying he wanted to be given a run down through the middle and, but he doesn't, he seems quite happy to be put out wide left, wide right or down the middle. And it doesn't seem to affect whether he's scoring or not. Um, Yeah. I think the nicest thing you can say is, how good he is now, given I think given his age and his he's never had any injuries, his fitness is, seems to be impeccable. He's played a lot of senior games for his age, but he just seems to be getting better and better. Um, and and he's becoming one of our probably our one of our most prized assets, along with a couple of others. And I think yeah, I may get these stats wrong, but I think of his fifteen this season, he's had I think eight from outside the box. I think we mentioned it on the last pod, but that is fairly impressive. I mean, the one last night was very far out of the box, but um, yeah, to have eight of 15 outside the box, it kind of shows a lot of versatility in the type of goals he's scoring. Because I think he can, he can play on the shoulder and poach and score one-on-ones. We've seen that, but he's, he's been smashing them in from outside the box as well. You know, beating fullbacks and defenders and cutting inside. And I think, yeah, you also note that, and a very good cross for Samuel's goal as well. 
last night. So he's got so much to his game. Um, yeah, and we can use him right across the front line. And yeah, someone that can dribble, terrify defenders so much, score one-on-ones, score from long range. Yeah, he's a huge asset to have. Definitely is. And it's, like I said, it is good that we have that as someone who can you know, run at the defence and, like you say, almost terrify them. Um, because when you're there one-on-one with someone, especially in the box, it only takes a trailing leg and it's got a penalty. And like I say, the fact eight goals have come from outside the box is, is well, it's just brilliant that he can have a goal and, and he consistently scores them as well. It's not as if he has about 30 shots a game and, and one of them manages to go in. Um, Alex, you mentioned a mentality before about coming from behind. Do you think that's also an issue with the team as well, though? Because you look at the fact that this performance against Cardiff has come off the back of two very disappointing performances against Barnsley and Wigan, and one where really went out to a whimper against Leeds. Um, Is there a mindset thing? Is it a case of when the pressure's off, this team can perform and be the playoff chasing team it needs to be? Or, or wants to be, should I say, but then when they are actually in that mix and they're seen as genuine contenders, they almost get stage fright. I think that's an excellent point. And I I think over the past couple of weeks, I've had flashbacks of the Gary Boyer near misses where we went on runs of games where we looked like a really good team and then we were just on the cusp of the playoff positions and then we found a way to concede two goals in injury time or just snatch a defeat from victory and I think with the journey Rovs have been on over the past I would say two or three years I feel like we're still on the on an upward trend so we were relegated in May 17 and then we got promoted straight back and then consolidated the first season back and then we've I think, improved again this year. So, although it is frustrating to lose the so-called easier matches and find ourselves sort of playing with, in effect, dead rubber matches um, in all likelihood, it, it shows to me that there is more growth left in this team, particularly if we do recruit again over the summer and we recruit well and we don't lose any of our key players. It's always an if, obviously, but if that is the case, then I feel like we can improve a similar amount again this season, um, as we have next season, as we have this season, and I suppose that would leave us very, very close. Um, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses in terms of not performing when the pressure's on, um, but I feel like there was big pressure in that League One season to go up at the first time of asking and a lot of the players that were there in that League One season are still there now and they did stand up to that pressure and they did get us promoted so I'm not so sure that it's down to pressure I feel like it may be more down to the manager maybe slightly overthinking the opposition and maybe thinking more about the opposition's strengths than our strengths and obviously that is important but I feel like it shouldn't be to the detriment of um, playing to our strengths. I think one encouraging thing is that Marbre has talked very recently about 
move into a different style of play. And I feel like he's been building to this moment for his whole tenure. That moment where he kind of steps out of his shell and plays the way that he has played historically at his previous clubs because he's previously been known for playing good football at West Brom. So I feel like he's been waiting for this moment for probably two or three years now where he finally steps out of his shell and commits to playing this 4-3-3 on a week-by-week basis and recruits players to fit that way. So I feel like it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward. But I would I would say it's mainly more about managerial. I would say managerial chains on, on the players and on the creative flow of the players than pressure. Because I feel like they have shown in the past that they can play under pressure. Uh, it's, a, it's a valid point. I, I suppose you think the League One season is almost that season in paradise, if you will, where it was winning every single week and uh, just enjoying watching Blackburn play football because you knew we were better than the opposition most weeks. Um, but it is a valid point that you made that that season there was a hell of a lot of pressure and a lot of the players in this team were also in that team. Um of course, the result against Cardiff leaves us five points off the playoffs with four games to go. Obviously, those games are West Brom, Millwall, Reading, and then obviously the last game against Luton. Um, two games coming up, um, Ollie, I guess they could define the season. Um, I know a lot of people listening, and I think it myself, that the season is probably over now. Um, but a win against West Brom can potentially put us to within two points of the playoffs. A win against Millwall, if we beat West Brom, could see us in the playoffs. I don't think it will happen. But do you think it's important that we we keep this journey going this season for as long as possible? And that even if it's the last game of the season and it's three points of the playoffs against Luton, even though... We're probably not going to get it because of goal difference, for example. Do you think it's important that we do manage to keep it going for as long as possible? Yeah, I think so. I think there's, I think the, I actually think Mowbray wouldn't want anything less from the side. And I think there's, yeah, I think a duty to the competition to try and win every game, which I do think we set out to do. It would be good. I think that as long as we can keep with it mathematically possible, I think it keeps a lot more interest on these last four games. Um, yeah, whether I don't think it will happen, but I think what I would look, what I think is more important is I think we've equaled our number of wins from last season. I think we finished on 60 points. We're on 59 now. So if we won all four, we'd be on 71. Whether that was good enough for the playoffs or not, who knows? But I, I just, I think from a, it's been another season of kind of evolving and yeah I mean Alex was talking about we are Mowbray is developing our style of play to me it's important to set a new benchmark you know we know that you know if you hit 70 75 points you're more than likely to be in the playoffs in this division we get anywhere near 70 points this season it's to me that's progress whether I don't think we're going to end up in there but it would be very nice to finish you know, comfortably in the top 10, 7th, 8th, you know, with a high 60 points total, knowing your best players coming back next season. Um, and we could hopefully be in really good shape to, yeah, to be 
perhaps talked about as one of the favourites for the top six. And that that's probably more what I'm looking for than really thinking we'll make the playoffs. If we do, amazing. If, but I think just finish as strongly as possible, I think. Well, you're right. Last season, we, we had 16 wins. This season, we have 16 wins already. Um, finished on 60 points last season, like you say. Um, 70 points last season would have seen us in eighth. Um, I, I would go along with that, Ollie. I, I would agree with you there in saying that, for me, I think a top 10 finish is now is what I'm, I'm hoping for. Um, and if we can finish ninth or eighth, it will get people talking, maybe, that next season we, we can be seen as you know, one of the the main playoff contenders, and with the right recruitment, there's no reason that we can. And obviously, it's a much more positive podcast after the win. But I think it is it's true to note um, that you know the season's not over, and we we can keep it going for as long as possible. That that can only be good for next season, and can only be good um, in the eyes of Venkis to perhaps say, you know what, let's have a good go at this. And on that note, I do want to finish it. Um, it's been a fantastic pod. I've enjoyed it again, guys. Love talking Blackburn with a pair of you. Um, and it's always nice to talk about Blackburn when there's more of a positive mood because God knows what it would have been like had we have um, come off the back of, what, would it have been four defeats in a row if we'd have lost against Cardiff? Um, so obviously it's always nice to be able to talk about a win and what was obviously a fantastic Adam Armstrong goal and, and look ahead to the future in what is more positive light. Um, of course, that's football. Um, I'm sure next week, after two defeats against West Brom and Millwall, we're looking at, you know, are we going to survive next season? But on that note, um, thanks again, guys. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'd like to tell to the Rovers chat, um, Facebook um, and Twitter to check out our other podcasts. Obviously, if you've not listened yet, make sure you listen to Brad Friedel. Um, and we've also got some very exciting podcasts on the way. Um, thanks and goodbye. Growing up, you and your buddies were always on the same page. Thursday was pickup basketball night. Saturday was an Xbox gaming binge, but then the buddies started falling off one by one. So what if they all have that ring on their finger and you're the only single bachelor left? You've got your own bling. And this one doesn't come with any commitment. Just a few really good moments of chill bliss. Why the Sheets not go for the gold? For a limited time at Sheets, get your hands on a $3.99 milkshake like the Toffrees. Made with Hershey's Heath Bars. Unwind with golden ribbons of buttery caramel and a heaping scoop of whipped cream. And don't forget, you can save $1 when you order on the app. At Sheets, there are endless options when it comes to delicious drinks. Coffee house style cold brews. Hot coffees, lattes, shakes, refreshers, and so much more. Everything is customizable, so you always get exactly what you want. And when we say always, we mean 24-7, 365.